guys, and welcome back to Confessions of a Wannabe It Girl. Before I get into what this episode is actually about, um, I just want you to have this mental image of me recording these intros and outros like every week. I'm currently in a t-shirt and my hair is in a wet towel. So by no means, this is not glamorous. Anyways, welcome back. And this week, we are joined by Pam from the Better Late Podcast to talk about what? Gymnastics. Yes, the Olympics are going on. A lot has happened uh, in the world of gymnastics. Um, we do talk about Simone Biles a lot. And um, also, we really get into Pam's experience being a gymnast. And, you know, she definitely has a not what you would consider traditional gymnast story. And it's very interesting. And basically, if you're looking for an episode to show you what resilience is, it's definitely. Pam story. So guys, um, please enjoy this episode. So much to unpack here. We kind of go all over the place, but I cannot get over the amount that this relates. <laughs> so you want to be an it girl? Welcome back to Confessions of Wannabe It Girl. Today, I'm joined by Pam from the Better Late Podcast, which um, she's going to tell you all about. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Oh my gosh. So tell us about... I'm going to give it away. We're going to talk about gymnastics in this episode. So tell us uh, like about you, your path with gymnastics, and your podcast. Sure. Well... I have to say that my gymnastics journey is very, very non-traditional. So I'm going to try to give the quickest version of it, but it's... It but goes, also tell us. Yeah, <laughs> but it also goes back a long time. So I'm not sure how much people know about gymnastics in this country. There was an interview Simone Biles did a month or so ago where she's debunking gymnastics myths. And Ooh. somebody asks her, can you start gymnastics later in life? And she says, well, I started at six, which is considered late. And that is considered oh, late yeah. in gymnastics. So I want to take you back to the 90s. I was nine years old and I saw the 92 Olympics and I was like, that is what I want to do. And I was so excited. I was already taking ballet, but there was a gym at the facility and my parents put me into gymnastics. I think I was only there for maybe a month and a half. And I had a natural talent, even though I was nine, which is considered late. And I got a lot of skills, but I had to unfortunately quit because we were moving and my parents wanted to just take care of the move. And then when we were settled, I could start again. And it was another two years before I started gymnastics again in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I was 11 by this time. The whole year leading up to it, I was just reminding my parents every week and looking up gyms in the yellow pages. I'm like dating myself. Oh my gosh, I love that. To find the, the gym. And it turned out that the gym, which is still less than a mile from my parents' house where they live now was at the time one of the top gyms in the state. So I thought, oh, this is fate. This is mm -hmm. amazing. So I started classes and I just, I was learning skills, but I would notice that I wasn't being asked to move up to pre-team and then team. So back then it's slightly different, but the USA Gymnastics System has recreational levels, which are considered back then levels one through four, and then level five is team. Level five through 10 is considered the junior Olympic system and level five, uh, I'm sorry, level tens then go on to possibly be on the national team and the Olympics oh. or go on to compete for the NCAA. Mm -hmm. I was waiting to get onto level five because I 
as soon as I saw the 92 Olympics, I was not very aware of how long it took, but I was like, oh, 2000 Olympics. I'm going to go. I'm going to make the team. And I just wasn't progressing. So I just thought it was me. I was like, maybe I just am not talented, but I had all my, pretty much all my skills. And I knew that other people around me who had the skills were getting moved up. And then a classmate of mine said, well, don't you know that the gym has a rule that if you're over 10, they're not going to let you Oh, compete. shit. And I was like 12 at this time and I was invited to pre-team and I was like, okay, I kind of internalized that, but I was like, but maybe I can be an exception. I mean, I'm an Asian, I'm a daughter of Asian immigrants. My dad got me into like gifted classes that I had no business being in. So I was like, if, if I can prove myself. No, I love that. I completely, <laughs> I get behind, I don't, I say rules are meant to be broken. Yeah. So, yes. Well, we tried. And by the time I was almost 14, my dad actually met with the gym owner and said, hey, my daughter really wants to do gymnastics. This is what she talks about nonstop. And the owner just would not budge. And oh. I, so I quit. And then I found out that there was another rule that if you were over 14, you could take a video of all your skills and petition onto level seven, which is considered the start of optional. Optional is when everybody starts doing their own routines. Okay. Until then, everybody is doing the same exact mm. routine. Mm -hmm. The gym owner said no. And I had rented USA Gymnastics. I said, is this your rule? And they said, no, it's not our rule. We don't have age limits. Yeah. But the gym owner wouldn't wouldn't budge. And so when I was 16, I found another gym in the area that said, you can do level five. You have all the skills. You would be doing it with five-year-olds. Are you okay with that? And I was like, I'm okay with that. But the gym was about 30 minutes away. And it was – even at that basic level, it was $200 mm -hmm. a month. And my, my mom said, it's just – it's just too much, the distance, um, mm -hmm. since we both work and the cost. So it's like, okay, I guess that's not going to happen. I never really gave up on my dream. I even went to a local college where I got a scholarship because in the back of my mind, I was like, if I don't have to pay for tuition, I can pay for gymnastics. Um, and it, when I was 24 years old, I ended up, when I was working as a civil engineer, I found a gym near me that let me train and compete with wow. kids. And I did that for three years. Oh my God. Yeah. What was that like? It was... Everything that I'd always wanted to do, like learn gymnastics and learn it without limits, so to speak, because the owner knew how old I was. I mm -hmm. wasn't going to keep that from her, but for some reason, it got lost in communication and my coach for a long time just thought I was a taller teenager. Mm -hmm. So, I really was treated as if I was just a- Another kid. Another kid. And eventually, they, they found out, but- I remember when I was – it was almost 26 and I was learning a kip. I don't know if – No idea what that is. A kip is basically like every Olympic gymnast when they start their uneven bars routine basically does a kip. It's – you – you. Oh, I know it. Like the, It's like that launch move. You you like swing your legs out and then your legs come up to the bar and then you, you're up in an upright position. And okay. it's just – it's a very basic but still advanced and difficult move. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember as a kid, I just – kid as a, and as a preteen and teenager, I would always try to learn it. But they, they honestly weren't really trying to teach it to me because Ugh. they didn't think that I, I had any potential. I Trump, Trump, like Trump's everything though. Like I mean, like we can get into this. But like at the end of the day, I mean, yes, there's a, like kind of an age thing, I guess, you know, like with gymnastics. But doesn't – like hard work and drive matter. That's what I thought. And the thing is, I got that skill in two weeks when I was oh, training yeah. as a 26 year old. I was like, and I was also um, state vault champion for the 14 and up age group. Wow. And I always got scores in the nines my first year. Like I was right up there with my teammates who were like five, six, seven, 
the oldest after me was 11. And I did that for three years on top of working full time. And I eventually quit because I wanted to focus on my career. And I was starting to think that I was hitting up against these mental blocks of skills that I hadn't been taught properly as a kid. Like, for example, the flyaway, which is the, is the dismount when you flip off the bars. Okay. And when I was 12, they told me to just, just do it. They didn't teach me any technique. So I broke my toe. And mm. I, to this day, I still can't, I can't even yeah. work my way to do that. And that's considered much easier than like a kip or, or uh, some other skills that I actually have. But so I quit because I thought if I ever do gymnastics again, it will be in an adult class or an adult team, which to this day, there really aren't that many. There are adult classes, even here in LA. LA School of Gymnastics has had classes for adults, but they are maybe an hour and a half long. Half an hour of that is warm up. And then if the the kids on the team need to use the equipment, they get priority. So, oh, wow. Yeah, because they're, they're the focus of right. the gym. And so I started my podcast because it's called Better Late because I've always thought the age is a good thing because mm-hmm. you – Yes, there are certain things that are easier. Yes, you're going to get your splits naturally when you're three years old because you don't have any body fat or intention in yeah. your body. Of course, you're going to get it. Right. And also, like, I'm very curious to get into this much, much more. But, like, <laughs> being an adult and understanding, you know, the pressure or understanding to put away the pressure is an asset. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I was a competitive dancer when I was in middle school and high school. Oh, wow. And... um. I I started late um and I panic attacked before every single performance because I couldn't handle the mental like pressure of being like oh I'm so behind whatever like but if I did it now like if I went and be was a competitive dance dancer now I think mentally I'd be way more strong because I just have a better understanding of oh, on some level this really matters but on some level it really doesn't versus then it was my life and it was everything mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, a huge part of what we're going to talk about today. But like, you're saying you're like, oh, I'm going and I'm doing all these competitions. And I'm like, yeah, you you were an adult. You could handle it. You took care of yourself. You got yourself to practice. You wanted it. And it was your drive, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a huge, I think, difference sometimes with younger children. Because a lot of the times they're – even in the classes I was in, I still have some journals that I, I kept – I've kept journals like prolifically my entire life. So I look back on some of the ones I kept when I was competing and there were days when I got upset because we would be forced to do conditioning as punishment. If somebody was like unfocused and wasn't listening and I would be – as an adult, sore for days, mm-hmm. like barely able to get out of bed. I'm like, how is this helping? Like, and I feel like as a kid, you're taught a lot of things through repetition. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the skills that I've gotten as an adult, if I'm taught it with the right technique, I mean, I'm, I just have it. I don't need the right. rep- repetitions. And I personally, did way better in competition than I ever did in practice. Wow. Which is funny because I was never a competitive anything else. I did ballet recitals, but that was about it. There were I did no other athletic endeavors mm-hmm. as a kid competitively at all. So the fact that I was able to just do better in in and I I think that was because I knew mentally how to do the skills. Mm-hmm. And so I mean yeah, they weren't like they're not what you see on TV, but still I was still 
there you're were, flying through the air. <laughs> like I can't even, I can do a cartwheel and that's like it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're still like, they're still doing something mm-hmm. and it's huge. I mean, and like, I think, you know, I'm so impressed by your hard work just of like, you know what? You wanted to do this and you did it no matter what the odds were. And like, that is really impressive and something that I don't think enough people take the risk of doing. And so you should be very proud of yourself. Thank you. Well, I will say I'm not done because even though I am 38 years old, I, 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 gosh, I just can't explain it. I was meant to be a gymnast. I've known that since I was young. Like, I don't, this is something I haven't really talked about because I think it's really weird. <laughs> there, was no. a, there was a movie that came out about Nadia Comaneci in, okay. um, called Nadia and, I remember seeing it on TV as a kid and being impacted by it. But then much later, I looked it up on like IMDb and it came out in 1984 when I was one year old. And I'm like, huh? How did that happen? How was that real? Did they replay it later? All I know is that I knew what gymnastics was before I saw it in the Olympics, Mm -hmm. before I saw it in the ballet facility that I went to. So, and I've Mm -hmm. known since then that I want to be a gymnast. And so I am actually, um, I did find a coach in Maryland that I've been doing Zoom classes with. Love that. Since um since April and I sh- my whole life I've thought someday I'm going to meet a coach. I'm going to meet the coach I'm supposed to have. And I didn't know when or how I would find her and it came through my podcast like she actually did have her on my podcast after somebody recommended her to me and she actually trained under one of the most famous coaches in the US, but her perspective is she can turn anybody into a gymnast, like any body type, any age. And she looks at me and my skill level as if I'm a person with potential, not mm-hmm. as something I've experienced in a lot of places. When I was taking adult classes in New York, one of the coaches said, after I'd gotten a skill, he said, oh, that's great. Of course, if I was teaching it to you for real, I would have taught it differently. And I was like, what? Yeah. Like, oh, you said you taught me some watered down version of... What? Of something. Yeah. Because what I've learned from my coach now is like... like, Because basically... I was taught a lot of things, even the handstand. Like I can do a handstand and when I'm up there, it looks perfect. Mm -hmm. I've been told that. But the way I got up there, she's like, how are you going to add anything else on top of that? How are you going to – your cartwheel. She's like, do you know you need to like – you need like lateral and your middle splits. You need that flexibility to do the cartwheel appropriately. I was Mm -hmm. like, you do? She was like, yeah. Like how are you going to turn that into a roundoff? How are you going to turn that Mm – into the right back handspring. If you learn the back tuck wrong, you're not going to be able to add another onto it. So now that I've found her, I, I'm going to spend the next like two to three years relearning the basics wow. um, because I haven't, I feel like I haven't mm-hmm. learned them correctly. And that's why I've never progressed. And so, um, and also I, <laughs> this is the, one of the first times I'm sharing this too. I was home in Virginia last week and I was looking at some of my journals from when I was 12. And mind you, like I just said, I was recreational level as a 12 year old, mm-hmm. but I found an entry where I'm like 70 something pounds. And I'm talking about how I want to lose like 30 pounds. Oh my God. Because I knew from watching so much gymnastics on TV in the nineties, they used to display the height and the weight of all the gymnasts. Shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah, they did. And I knew, like, my hero was Dominic Mochianu, and she was about the same height as me, about two years older. And they had her weight listed as, like, I don't know what it was, like, 70 pounds? I don't know. And I was like... Uh, and I just... I was I would write in my diary, because I, I was like, I don't know why I'm not being moved up, but... 
even though I know I'm not fat, I'm thin, but I know I weigh too much to be a good gymnast. I'm writing this as a 12-year-old. Wow. So, yeah, uh, there's just so much to unpack there. Holy shit. Okay, first off, though, I'm going to go back before I talk about how appalled I am about all of this. I literally, I don't think enough people do what you do. Like you literally are like, I want this. This is my heart and this is the core. And like, you don't care about the age and whatever. And that's literally amazing. And I hope if anything (laughs) comes out of this podcast that anybody listening walks away with, it's never too late to start any of your dreams and to go after them. (laughs) Okay. Now let's talk about what I am poorly, insanely shocked over. I mean, 70 pounds is... I was 78 pounds. Oh my God. And like, and in my diary, I'm like, I need to lose 20. Um, but, and I'm talking, and I actually, like, I remember there have been gymnasts who have died from anorexia. Yeah. Okay. That's like, what the fuck? Well, I think I was aware of that because later in my, and I, I would write in my diary as if I was talking to, I would write dear diary literally. And I love that. And I was like, don't worry, diary. Like, I promise I'm not going to lose more than 30 pounds and I'm not going to skip meals because, and that way nobody can say I was a victim of anorexia. Like, this is how I'm like talking. I was, I was thinking. Hyper aware. Hyper aware of what was going on, thinking I could outsmart it. And I, I mean, I will say that I never actually did end up losing any pounds because I wasn't in the gym enough to be working out that much. I hated the treadmill. I loved food. So that wasn't going to happen. And I'm not Thank tra- God, but like, whoa. And I'm not trying to make light of it by laughing. But the thing is, when I, I have suffered with weight issues, like most of my life, I, and when I read those diary entries recently, I was like, I wonder if, if that is just another reason why I haven't really, I mean, yes, I never really had a coach that believed in me, but mm. maybe, Maybe there was a reason why I just couldn't think of myself as a gymnast, even though deep down I th- I felt that that's what I was supposed to be. Because mm. I read all my diaries through the years of like high school and every time – because I, I tried out so many gyms as a kid. Like I think I must have started and stopped like seven different times between age 11 and 18 before I went off to college. And every single time I'm talking about weight, like, oh, <sighs> I'm going to start gymnastics again and I promise I'm going to like get in shape. And the most I ever weighed, like, it was just perfectly, like, aligned with what you needed. Yeah. Like, by the time I was 14, I was five foot one, and I've never grown an inch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, my weight has always been, you know, in high school, it's very healthy. And I look back, and I, and I, and again, like, I never considered myself to have body image issues. But now, looking back, I'm like, wow, I, I do. <laughs> I just feel like on some level there's, I mean, you know, we're not even talking about just aesthetically, like we're literally talking about to do what you feel like you're meant to do and like your dream. And it's just like the pressure. Oh my God. And to be 12 and, and like, it not never leaves you. And it, not even an elite gymnast or competitive. These are all the messages I was observing from the media. And also I was obsessed with the elite girls at the gym course. because a lot of them actually went to my but ended up we all went to the same high school. Oh, that's cool. One of them ended up being like my coach. Oh wow! Years later, she yeah, she was the coach at at the gym that I trained at, and um, so yeah, because I wanted to be a gymnast so much, and I was felt like I was going in circles. I was obsessed, and I was like, oh, like I just knew. I don't remember if that gym weighed the. I think they probably did. Like a lot of gyms have for their elites. I don't remember if I ever observed it. Mm. I I think I do remember there being a scale. Wow. 
Um, but yeah, like, like I said, like I'm not trying to blame that gym because I was never even at that level, but this was my mindset as a 12 year old who wanted to be a gymnast and was seeing all those stats on TV about Mm -hmm. what a gymnast should weigh and being aware that there was all this talk in the media about, oh, gymnast Pika, even now they'll still say, you have Simone Biles, who they many say is the greatest gymnast of all time, doing gymnastics at 24 and a world champion, you know, the rating world champion. And there's still that talk about, oh, gymnast Pika. Like, can you stop with that? Yeah. <laughs> it's clearly not true anymore. Like every gymnast on the U.S. Olympic team for women this year is over 18. Well, and like also that's a great milestone because also like women aren't dead after 26 or something. <laughs> like we don't just pass away. Right. Like, you know, I there's so much push for women to be skinny, to be young, whatever. And it's like in everything, really in everything. Like you're talking about these, you know, women who put their life literally on the line so they can fly through the air. Like, can you give them a break if they're not 16? Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. it's crazy. I mean, there's just a whole societal problem that has a huge obsession with youth and you know it's yeah so like let's move on from that for sure (laughs) yeah so you brought it up a little bit Simone Biles the greatest of all time well this Olympics has gone different than a lot of us thought it was going to so Mm -hmm. walk us through first though what's going on in 2020 and what's going on in 2021 with gymnastics sure so yeah when coronavirus shut everything down that really changed the trajectories of a lot of gymnasts who were training for the 2020 Olympics and there were several that benefited from it and there were several who didn't benefit from it I think we've seen Michaela Skinner and her amazing story of how she's come back and won a medal on on vault Mm -hmm. and she was one of those gymnasts that if trials had taken place in 2020, she probably would not have oh, wow. made the team because she was finishing off her NCAA career. And for women, it's unheard of to go from NCAA back to elite gymnastics. Mm. For men, it's actually the opposite where men, it's expected because they peak, quote unquote, later compared oh. to women. Yeah. Yeah. So which, like. which, which is just another whole slew of issues, I think, because that means men can go pro. Mm-hmm. Later in life. Yes. <gasps> and I think, yeah. And the rules are changing in terms of monetizing your name, image, likeness. I think that's coming mm-hmm. to the news lately, but that doesn't help former female Olympians. But anyway, going back. So yeah, Michaela benefited, benefited from it. There was, I believe it was 2018, the one year that Simone did not compete at Worlds. Morgan Hurd from the US became world champion and not only did she not make the Olympic team, she wasn't even at trials. Oh, wow. This year because she's had a series of shoulder surgeries and, and yeah, there have been, and there were a few gymnasts who weren't, didn't end up being in the mix, so to speak, in terms of being top contenders for the Olympic team, but they were at trials. And if the trials had been in 2020, they wouldn't have been there because you have to turn 16 during the Olympic mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And there were a few gymnasts who turned 16 in 2021. So they're, they were allowed to just kind of be in So the it mix. shakes the whole thing up. It really does. And then the mental aspect of, okay, I have one entire year to train mm-hmm. and at the elite level, that can be 
anywhere between 30, 35, 40 hours a week and how much you're giving up. And I think about, you know, people like Simone Biles. She took a slight break after the 2016 Olympics. So she got to taste like what it's like to be a human, a human and not just like a normal human, but a human with, you know, now ever like so many opportunities coming her way. She Mm -hmm. was on Dancing with the Stars. She was able to go on vacation and not feel guilty about it. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to buckle down and compete at this, my second Olympics, and then I'm going to retire. And then coronavirus throws that, you know, that into the mix. And not only that, I don't know if enough people have talked about the fact that Simone Biles, her parents own a gym. Mm. And there have been other, like there was the 2008 Olympian who tried to make a comeback. She's 33. Her parents own gym. But what Mm. about all the gymnasts, not just at the elite level, but below, Mm -hmm. who didn't have access to a gym for a whole year? Yeah. I was literally just wondering, like, do they, like, schedule out time? Probably not. I don't know. Yeah. Like, how do you get time to do what you need to do? There was a gymnast I interviewed on my podcast. She trains in Mexico. She was an Olympian, I believe, in 2012. And I asked her about that. And she Mm -hmm. said, well, right now – since we're back open again, this was, I think, last summer, so it may mm-hmm. have changed. But she said that only the elites and maybe the like one notch below were even given the option to train. So, wow. And we're not going to see that the effect for a while. But think about the next few generations of gymnasts who don't have, who didn't have access for a year, and maybe their parents' financial situation also changed. So, I mean, think mm-hmm. about what that one. No, year yeah, that's a lot of changes. Did to me as a kid, like that one year. It was not my parents' intention, but that one year is why I was never able – it changed the whole trajectory of my life. Wow. So, I think we're, we're – we, we don't even know the effects that COVID has had on gymnastics. We've seen it from an elite level. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that there have been a lot of – even elites who – their gym was shut down and maybe their parents didn't own it. Maybe they didn't own the gym. So how are they going to get their practice time in? Right. Wow. I had not even thought about that at all. But and so, yes. So then some people are coming in with now a huge advantage because they've always had access to a gym Mm -hmm. versus mm, like, are we out on the grass? Like, like, you know, we don't know what we're doing. What what have you been doing? It's been cut in half. There's no way it hasn't. There's only so much you can learn on Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I can't it, like what and also like, oh, let me try this really scary thing that I've never done before without any spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, not for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so totally shakes it up. So then what happens in 2021? Right. So in 2021, while well, you already have one gymnast, Jade Carey, who just won the gold on floor, which is amazing, she actually qualified for the Olympic team through an individual spot, I believe late in 2019. Oh, wow. It's so funny. Coronavirus starts and you have these handful of athletes around the world who've gotten individual spots. So just to give a brief overview, you may have noticed that the Olympic teams we've seen in Tokyo look tiny this year. Not, Mm. I'm not talking about stature, but like the amount. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have to clarify. (laughs) But the amount of gymnasts on the team. Like in 96, you had the mag seven, seven gymnasts. Mm -hmm. And then you had 2000, I think it shrunk down to six team members. And then you had the fierce five in Mm. 2016. This year, they, uh, for the Tokyo games, they shrunk it down to four team members. And then, they get one individual spot, which mm-hmm. Michaela Skinner got. And then Jade Carey or other gymnasts, um, 
they earned their spots at qualifying global meets. I mean, it's so funny, like the woman from Brazil who won Brazil's first Olympic medals in gymnastics. Wow. She wasn't there with the team. I can't She's imagine. just there. She was, she got an individual spot. She was there, like Brazil had a team at the 2016 Olympics, but they didn't qualify as a team this year. So she's mm-hmm. there on her, she's the first time somebody's medaled in the all around as an, an individual. Think yeah. about like how much, like just to be. It gave me chills though. Yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah. It is really exciting. And so you're working with a tinier team to begin with. And a lot of those qualifiers for the indiv- individual spots, those events were canceled. Mm-hmm. And so I think they ended up, the F, the, International Gymnastics Federation ended up counting some competitions that previously hadn't been considered qualifiers for individual spots. So that that throws a whole new thing into the mix. But for the Americans, for the most part, I don't think too many gymnasts were counting on any more of the individual spots. But then you ha- we had, there were a series of meets in the spring. There were a few meets where the Classic Series, they had the American Classic and the U.S. Classic where – if you did well, I don't know the specifics, but you would you had a chance to be named to the national team or and or you could then move on to the national championships where if you finished in I believe the top 14, then you were um passed on to trials. However, it was kind of it was it, it's a little tricky because Gymnasts are allowed to petition based on injury to mm. go on to certain meets. Mm-hmm. But if you compete all four events, you can't petition for injury. Oh, yeah, that I mean kind of makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. But also it, like there something always is different. Like it's yeah. kind of the wild west. It like, is because if you're a gymnast who you think you might be able to not that you should perform injured, but if mm-hmm. you want to take that chance and people do perform injured and make it into the top 14 versus, okay, I'm just going to only do one event and hope that's enough based on my petition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I probably, as you said that, if I was in this position, which is laughable, <laughs> I would, I would take the risk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know, that's kind of like when you don't get into college and you write back being like, oh, please change it. <laughs> like, it's just, it's a, it's a risk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay. So it's a really, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And then there were three alternates named to the team. Okay. You may have seen that one of the alternates got COVID when mm. she was in Tokyo. So she was, she had to quarantine, which I mean, obviously that yeah. makes sense. But the thing was that once you're done with your, well, and it didn't really apply to them, but the alternates left right after team prelims because. Wow. They can't stay there. Yeah. There was no reason for them to stay if an athlete – I don't know exactly what the rules are, but I'm guessing that if somebody got injured I, – I don't. I, I think there's so much that's unprecedented because mm-hmm. you don't really th- – because there's a – it varies every Olympics, obviously, due to the size of the team on the floor. But this year, there was a four-up, three-count rule, which means you have four gymnasts on the floor for mm-hmm. the team final and three – Gymnasts go and those three scores count. It's so different from, mm. uh, for example, the 96 Olympics, which was the first time the U.S. women won team gold. They had seven gymnasts and I believe six of the seven gymnasts went up for each apparatus. Oh, wow. And then the lowest score was dropped. 
Oh, yeah, that's a really, that's like it, a different game. It's like a it, whole different game. Like, did we go from playing basketball to like <laughs> rugby? Like, that's really different. It's crazy because like, what if you, if you apply the top three, let's just say you, you, if you go back, to, it would be interesting if somebody actually went back to the 96 Olympics and said, let's just take three. Not even the, the not even the three best, but the three last ones. Right, the three last that go are generally the three highest okay. scores. So let's just say, like, even if one of them ended up falling, we count all of them. Like, would the U.S. have still won? It's so different. It's be- so different. And pressure because you know that your fall, if you fall, it's going to count. There's mm-hmm. nobody else that's gonna. Someone can pick up those points or whatever. Yeah, yeah no, there's just a lot more anxiety. Honestly, mm-hmm. wow. So. Not only have we got a pandemic going on, the way it's going is just so different. On top of this year of some people getting more practice, some people not, you know. And no, and don't forget, no spectators. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, on top of it, nothing to encourage you. I saw the team prelims and I my thought was, how depressing. Yeah, it's sad. It's, it's creepy. It was creepy. And you saw more and more, I think, as other athletes finished up, some of their events in mm-hmm. other sports they they like you, you you'll see more of a crowd like now this week for the event okay. finals like there's so many people in the audience versus the team prelim mm-hmm. last week i think it's because like the men the male gymnasts maybe they're they have one last thing yeah there. so they can take the time to go watch because this year unlike any other olympics again once you're done with your final event you, you have, have to, to leave book it which is why michaela skinner almost left because she was done she yeah. didn't qualify to any event finals well, she did, but okay, there's another rule for oh, God. event finals, <laughs> which has been a rule, I believe, since maybe after 2000, where, you know, the first day of competition, which is team prelims, it counts for a lot because that's where the top 24 in the all-around and the top eight in each event qualify to all-around finals and event finals. But there's a two-per-country maximum. Uh-huh. So that's why um, for the women's all-around I believe Jade Carey from the U.S. finished out of all the gymnasts there. She finished. I I don't want to mess it up, but I think it was ninth. But mm-hmm. she she didn't qualify because there were two of her teammates above her, right? Who qualified? So yeah, like they, I mean, I understand that they the FIG has that rule so that other like certain countries don't have an advantage, sure. but it's still it's still rough, especially in the all kind of ruthless. It's ruthless. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just like, okay, well, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you didn't bust your butt to get here, but see you later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's ruthless. So shaking up games already. And, you know, on top of it, we and uh, we do not need to go through this. Gymnastics also went through a huge scandal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. With the – it's Dr. Lasser, right? Na- Larry Na- Nasser. Nasser. Mm-hmm. Nasser, Lasser, whatever. I don't even want to fucking know his name. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, they've, they've got a scandal under the belt too. So, like, whoa. There's a lot going on. Not to completely pivot. So is it prelims or trial that Simone Biles competes and she is a rhinestoned goat on her leotard? I believe it was I'm trying to remember. I was watching the- I know, I can't remember it. No, I- it I, it was at um it may have even been earlier because I was watching this video last oh, wow. week. It was uh it, it might have been at classic. It was either classic or national. It okay. wasn't I it wasn't ju- I don't think she wore it at trials. Okay, that's good. So like they wouldn't allow Okay, so let's get into this. Simone Biles is said to be the greatest gymnast of all time. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I feel like that's a forever moving dot though. There's some kid born 
who, you know, is going to take up gymnastics, you know, when he's, he, she, he, she is like, who? And, you know, that it's, you know, science is forever evolving. Ways of learning skills is forever evolving. It's, it's hard to call a greatest of all time. Well, they called Nadia the greatest of all time also. Oh, see? Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I, I'm not negating any of Simone. I mean, she's amazing. She's so talented. Yeah. I mean, there's she's unequivocally one of the best that has sure. ever been. But also, gymnastics looks very different from even the Run- 96 Olympics. For example. Right. They have the compulsories. What's that? Compulsories is everybody's doing the same exact routine on every event. Oh. The basics. Yeah. Where it's not – it's very – it's like profi- like proficiency of those skills. Yeah, like I don't know if you're f- familiar with figure skating, but I guess in in figure skating when you're learning, you have to do the figure eight. Yeah, I I took I get bit, that. Yeah, and so in gymnastics, it was like, I think on the balance beam, the most complicated thing was a cartwheel and an elite compulsory. But I mean, if you've seen some of the the sports evolved. Well, I mean, I'm just uh, even though it's a very basic skill. If you watch some of the elite gymnasts from mm-hmm. the from the U.S. in '96 doing that cartwheel on the balancing, they were just beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. I guarantee that there are some elite gymnasts that probably couldn't do that now. Wow, I don't think I could do a cartwheel the way that, the way that some of the top ones did. But it's very different. And also, artistry used to count a lot more for scores. Yeah, I've definitely even in like being a complete bystander to gymnastics other than the one time I probably did it as daycare, you know, yeah, it's gotten way more about the trick and not about like the beauty mm-hmm. of it. Um so yeah, yeah, would Simone Biles if compulsories well let's just take her out of the, the Let's take her out of the mix for a minute, yeah. But if if they inter- reintroduced compulsories, like what would that what would that mean? I mean, you might have some gymnasts who just overall their scores weren't enough because mm-hmm. they weren't – because I can tell you, this is a, probably the terrible example because I'm not a, a former elite, but when I was training the the basic skills, like, like I said, I did one year level four and two years of level five, fundamental competitive levels in my mid-20s, I never – I in in – in some respect, I wish I'd stuck around for level six or level seven. And level seven, you get to use your own music. You get mm. to do your own routine and choreograph something unique on each event. But my experience was only compulsories and compulsories was so excruciatingly exact that I remember like just getting confused because like your arm had to be a certain direction. Like you had to show this very basic skill on balance beam or your where I mean, you're a dancer, so like a, a fuete, like maybe mm-hmm. like yeah, your your foot is at your ankle versus or and then or it might be at your knee. Sure, that's a difference. You can get off. You could get three tenths taken off in mm-hmm. compulsories, and that doesn't mean that you did a skill terribly. But think about that at an, at an elite level. There's no way to guarantee that just because you're really good at some of these tricks that that precision because that that was very difficult for yeah. me. Yeah. It was insanely difficult to get. Uh, nobody got a perfect ten, even in in my when I was doing the basics. It was so insanely difficult with, with the level of precision that was required. So we have a new, uh, we've no way we have a totally different scoring system yes. now that rewards different things. So somebody that I know who is a former very high level gymnast told me Simone Biles is the greatest of all time in our current code of points. Ooh, I like that. So. 
I mean, yeah. she's amazing. She's very talented. Like, I, by no means am I ta- knocking how talented and, like, you know, hardworking and insane the things she can do is. But it's just, yeah, it's kind of, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm in this time. Yeah. You know, I mean, not saying that she could not be, you know, that time will tell. But, you know, I don't know. It's a bold statement. It is. And she shows up to whatever it is with this goat on her leotard. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not a gymnast, but I, I'm a competitive person. And I, you know, have spent some time around people that, you know, have, you know, done amazing things or whatever. But I would never show up to my next acting gig if I won a uh, Academy Award and make sure my chair says Marley Frygang, Academy Award winning actress. <laughs> like, it's, I don't know, it's pressuring. It's like a little like it's not her so much. It's more like who allowed that? Like I'm like what who what coach? What organization was like? Yeah, yeah, that that that's cool. Like it's glody. I have mixed feelings about it because I on one hand I love that she is bold, owned it, or was didn't shy away from it. And I know that she probably gets a lot of trolls on Twitter. She's talked about sure. it in a docuseries that she, that was on Facebook about people saying that they hope she falls, that they think she's oh, not that's as, horrible. Why? Well, she doesn't have to read it though. True. Um, I'm not, I'm not negating or saying that I support Twitter trolls at all, but I, 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 I might sound old when I say this and I didn't grow up with social media at my fingertips. So mm-hmm. they were practically born on Twitter. I'm like, I can't imagine, I can't imagine being an elite athlete and even wanting to be on social media. And I know that they probably have obligations to sponsors to post things and mm. stay active, but that's very different from deciding to engage. And she talks about how part of the reason she put that goat in the leotard was one for the fans and two for the haters. And well, I mean, that was totally her decision. And I think GK elite sportswear, which designs a lot of the team USA leotards and Simone and several other elite gymnasts have their own uh, eponymous line of leotards Mm. for GK elite. I believe that they helped her. I don't know. I don't know who put, put it on, but I mean, she has a lot of power in the sport. Mm -hmm. She has actually talked about being the only survivor of Larry Nassar who's still competing. So she's definitely used her platform to speak out on a lot of issues. And I, you know, commend her for being willing to do that. I believe USA Gymnastics wished her a happy birthday earlier this year and said, you continue to amaze us. And Simone responded and said, how about you amaze me and do a full investigation into the Larry Nasser? Yeah, that's badass. Yeah. Like, go at it. Yeah. Like, go at it. You are using what you are in the system and pushing it back at that. So, like, yes, you have some great stance to put on. Yeah, Like, yeah, you're – you are crushing it. You are literally crushing it. You are the top of your game. You are literally, mm-hmm. to be completely honest, like probably the most well-known gymnast 
right now in the entire world. Probably even the the most well-known athlete because- Yeah, that's true too. She's the only athlete that got their own Twitter emoji, I believe, this year. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, I didn't know that. I mean, it's not a pretty emoji, but if you if you hashtag Simone Biles or even just Simone, there's a little goat that pops up uh-huh. wearing a, a medal and a, and a leotard. It's, it's yeah, it's not the best design thing, It's it, but it's awesome. <laughs> They could have had her. her they could have had her. Yeah. 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 Like, they could have done her face. It's like, so cool. And yeah, I, it is cool. And I did read that she is probably the most talked about athlete going into the Toku Games in the world, not yeah. just in gymnastics. So I, I think a lot of people didn't like that she put the goat on there. I don't know if – yeah, I don't know if – I mean, like you're saying, would we have done the same thing? But it is her right to do that. However, when you start calling yourself the goat mm-hmm. – it's one thing for the media to put pressure on you, and it's another thing to put it on yourself. Oh, yes. Literally, that's what I couldn't – that's exactly my point. You already have so much pressure from the outside world being like, you know, Simone Biles, Simone Biles is going to do this. She's going to do amazing. Like, you know, I wouldn't – you know, I love an underdog story. I live for an underdog story. I think I'm an underdog story. And, you know, my entire life, I've always, you know, prided myself on working very hard. And, you know, when you're at the very, very top, you know, you're not an underdog story. You, mm-hmm. you know, and so, yes, you have to mentally take care of yourself to be like, you know what? I'm on some level, I'm just like everyone else. I'm very good what I'm doing. But, you know, I, you know, I have a lot on the line here at the same time because being in that place where no one's really like honestly on either side of you is really scary. And it's also probably very lonely. Mm-hmm. Like how do people even understand? I, I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, it's not like you can go grab your best friend and be like, hey, like I like I I can't even articulate the pressure she's under. Yeah, you that's know? that's the thing, though, because. You're right. There's nobody she can talk to who even remotely understands. There may have been other gymnasts who went in as like heavy favorites into the Olympic Games. It's very rare for a gymnast to be the favorite for a second Olympics, I will say. Oh, really? Because so Nadia, when she won in 76, she was one of the the rare few who then went on to – she was at the 80 Olympics and she won second in the all-round. And then – Gabby Douglas from the U.S., Mm -hmm. she was the first gymnast since Nadia to return to the Olympics after winning the Mm all-around. So then you look at Simone, but Gabby wasn't in 2016 looked at as, oh my gosh, she's going to win it all. Simone was. Mm -hmm. And so Simone's been to the Olympics before, but I can't think of any other athlete going into their second Olympics expected to win everything. Right. So then there's another layer of unprecedented. She doesn't know, she doesn't have that many, like, I can't think of anybody she could even talk to about it. So yes, I mean, I'm like a spectator and gymnastics fan and former gymnast saying like she took on the pressure herself, but also like she's in an unprecedented spot. Mm -hmm. Like who could have told her like, this is what it's going to do to you to do yeah. all this, to stay on social media, to put the goat on. And I'm not saying she shouldn't have done that, but and I don't know. It's hearsay. Yeah. Like what all those, what, how all those factors right. affected her mentally. I don't yeah, know. We're never going to know what, what was the trigger? What was the thing? You know, you know, but we do know there's a lot of pressure. She walks into the Olympics. Okay. So then what happened? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the U.S. 
very unexpectedly in team prelims finished second to the Russian Olympic team. Olymp- I'm sorry, Russian Olympic Committee is what they're calling. Oh, it, yes, athletes. that's a whole nother controversy. It really is. <laughs> I really don't understand how that's different. For, how anyway, Russia. <laughs> I'll be. I'll say it. I'm not a Javis. Russia, the Russian team. And there you go. <laughs> so they finished second to the the ROC, but in for finals, everything goes back to zero. Mm-hmm. So even though Russia's ahead, it doesn't matter. Like it's still like three up, three count. None of the previous scores count. And Simone had a mistake at trials. She fell off the beam. And in night one, during team prelims in Tokyo, she, on her beam dismount, she um, had too much power. So she took maybe three to four steps back. And she almost fell off the mat just because Mm -hmm. where she ended up on her final step. So... I'm not sure where her headspace was there, but then you get to the first event at team finals and I didn't see it. Some of the commentators said they did, but she's warming up her two and a half twisting Yurchenko, but in the warm up and then the, the eventual vault she does, it's only one and a half twist and you see her just like the way her head is situated when she lands. First of all, she like lands almost in a squat. Mm-hmm. And her her head isn't forward, so it's like she because she left out a full twist, so she doesn't even she's not even ready for the ground. I mean, thank goodness she did find the ground mm-hmm. with her feet. And as the commentators have said, it looked like she got lost in the air. And yeah, what happened was even Simone has said that she got the twisties. Which what is that? Like it sounds like such a cute name. It is. I I. Honestly, as a gymnast, and I never, I've never done like double. Tw- I did like I've done a full twisting layout. That's that is it. Mm-hmm. I've never gotten to level where I guess twisties would even be a thing. Is it like vertigo? Um, people have compared it to aerial disorientation. Okay. that a pilot might have. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's caused by vertigo. Your perception's off. That's what it is. Your perception. Why did off. they give it that freaking cute name? I don't know. Gymna- <laughs> gymnastics. <laughs> I had actually never heard of it, but I do know what mental blocks are, and I I believe that is why everything has been. You know, it is a it is a mental issue leading to a mental block where she doesn't know what she's doing in the air. The mind body connection is just gone. And if you're not a gymnast, I can just tell you, based on skills that I've tried to learn or fix, I mean. I'll I'll give an example that I think is easy, simple enough for non-gymnasts to understand. Oh, like, good. Like a back tuck, which is like a single flip backwards in the air, mm-hmm. and you you can't really see, right? You can you can see you know when you're landing. Okay, so it's yeah. not considered a blind blind landing. landing. Okay, that was my question. <laughs> and in gymnastics, yes, you could do a standing back tuck on its own. Typically, gymnasts learn it connecting it from a runoff backhand spring. Okay, so yes. Jump up in the air, flip, land on your feet. When I was young, I don't know, I don't remember when I learned it, but all I know is that I would throw my head back just to start the flip. Then as an adult, I learned if you throw your head back, you can do it, but you'll never be, you'll never be able to add another tuck on top of that. Mm, So, okay. So for that reason, I was like, okay, I definitely want to be able to advance beyond that. I don't want my tuck to be like just driving like, 
into the ground and, yeah. and potential risk for injury. So I tried to fix it. I must have spent 50 hours trying to unlearn it. And I to mm-hmm. this, I still haven't unlearned it. The body never forgets on some level. It never forgets. And also think about how fast you're going in the air mm-hmm. and for your your mind to have the awareness to do something differently. Mm-hmm. That is how precise the mind-body connection is right. in gymnastics. Whereas other sports, let's say you're just I'm not trying to hypothesize about is was Simone Biles distracted? I don't know, but we don't have. Let's just we know the twisties can come from overthinking or a mental block mm-hmm. or a fear. So one of those things. But imagine any other sport. Okay, I'll just use basketball. Let's say you have for some reason you get a block that you're not going to be able to catch the ball. Okay, mm-hmm. well then you you're in the game and then they're not going to like you're going to do your best. Maybe you can only pass and you can't like right. aim. In gymnastics, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. A, the, and let's not forget that the Aminar that she was trying to do on vault is a blind landing. Oh, yeah. Which means that you're just counting on doing the skill correctly, and then you're going to land your feet, but you don't spot the ground oh, before you God, land. I hate that. Well, I mean, I've done other like. <laughs> no, like, I know, but like, it's just like some like I could not, I could not, but like, yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. It, uh, oh God, I can't. I can't even get into like what that must feel like. I mean, for me, it would be horribly unsetting. For some people, you must like it, <laughs> <laughs> which is a whole nother podcast about why some people are addicted to throwing their body into the air. <laughs> I like the ground. I even. I don't really get nervous flying anymore. I. I don't know. I go through bats of being scared on planes. So I'm like, ah, God, hearing you say that. Okay, but so basically after this fault, she she decides uh, I'm not going to compete. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, from what I've heard and read is that when you get the twisties, it it doesn't just it doesn't just affect her vault because she mm-hmm. has twisting elements at every other right. The dismount off bars, dismount off balance beam. Almost pretty much every single tumbling pass she does ends mm-hmm. in it. Like, I mean, one of her epitomous skills, the Biles, is like a triple twisting double somersault. Very twisty. Yes. So there's so many, and it, it's just like so many layers because on top of that, now she's also second guessing herself. You mm-hmm. don't want to, you, you don't want any ounce of second guessing yourself in gymnastics. Right. Cause unlike in, you know, I don't know. I, you know, th- like you're in the air, you can fall on your head. Like there's a huge injury thing at risk if you're mentally not well. Even if, yeah. And even if she thought that she could kind of muscle her way through it, or maybe sh- if she decided it wasn't as bad and she could somehow make it through all her routines, she still. You know, her scores are going to be affected. At mm-hmm. that point, as she said, she was thinking of the team medal and having already gotten, like, I think her score on vault was 13.766, which is the, as they pointed out, the lowest score she's gotten in the Olympic Games. Wow. Not this one, but also the previous, previous one. one. So she's thinking about that. You do that three more times. I mean, you're, you've, you've lost like at least a point and a half compared to what. Mm-hmm. her other teammates in that situation on that event might have been able to get. So, sure. so yeah, I think a lot of the pushback has been, well, why didn't you decide this before the Olympics and blah, blah, blah. But like, 
I mean, she's earned her spot on the Olympic team. Yeah, I would say so. And you can't predict when this issue would have happened because she did the vault. Right. During prelims. Do people really think she was like, ah, this is the moment to like freak out? No. Like, I don't think it's a choice. Mm -mm. Like, it's gonna, we don't know what caused it. We don't know what triggered it. Like, so yeah, it, it does baffle me that people are like, why didn't she decide she didn't want to compete earlier? Like, what? How would you know? Yeah, I think, and I mean, here's the thing though. She, she is the star of the games. So she had to make a statement. And yeah. that is like kind of a double edged sword because she certainly had the right, like any athlete to say, I'm having difficulties. Yeah. And I'm out. But, but for somebody like Simone Biles, who's in the media and like they're asking her, like she, she's, she's addressed it in multiple interviews and I think you know I think it might have been best for her if she had just given the one statement and then not done any mm -hmm. other interviews because mm -hmm. then you give people things to speculate on sure and again I'm not blaming her but like when you're I don't think she would have necessarily had the choice so to speak like mm -hmm. to say I don't want to talk about it yeah like they're expecting her to uh, yeah. yeah so she, she doesn't have like and like I feel for her because she probably does feel some pressure to keep talking mm -hmm. to the press on some level and like you know what girl girlfriend you've done enough you have been through a lot you've given up your whole life to this so far like mm -hmm. I don't think you owe those people anything mm -hmm. you know and so totally her choice I mean I'm sure there's other people involved in you know who she and when speaks to the press but you know what like and that's how I feel when I heard about the whole thing I was like you know what this is a girl you know, I, th I always think about ballerinas. They give their whole life to ballet and that's it. You know, that is what they know. That is their culture. That is their friends. That's, you know, how they are. It shapes who they are as a person, you know, and I'm like, here's this 24 year old woman who has, you know, done amazing things. Like you don't owe us anything. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, you, you don't have to talk to them. You don't have to compete. You know, you are a free human, you know, and like also correct me if I'm wrong. You don't get paid to complete in the Olympics, right? I don't know. I think in the past, U.S. Olympians have gotten cash prizes. Okay. Based on the medals that they brought back. Okay, sure. But Simone Biles is going to have endorsements for years to come. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, you know, also, I'm very curious to see what she's going to do now after all this too. But like, you don't have to compete. You know, I that's the thing is like, you know, we, you really don't have to. However... I'll be honest and say there is the tiny bit of me that, you know, at the time, you know, I wasn't watching. I don't understand. I was not in that situation. I'm totally playing devil, devil's advocate here. But like at the same time, I, I was telling you this before we started recording my not favorite story, but an important story is, you know, Vanessa Hudgens, right before she was supposed to perform the live musical of Hairspray, father passes away. Literally like past moments before this is a live recorded broadcast millions are on the line and you know she gets up when she performs her life is not on the line i will say that like she's not flinging her body through the air but you know what she did a job and she did it mm -hmm. the tiniest bit of me and i feel even fucked up saying it but i'm just <laughs> gonna say it, it's kind of like mm, i don't know i don't know i would i like you know like should she have competed in retrospect, with all I know and now and all I've learned and, you know, I've really thought about it for myself now. I'm like, you know, if I was going through something like that, I wouldn't want to compete either. I kind of regret saying that, but, like, some people do have that feeling, you know, of, like, uh, you know, 
you are, you are this, you know, and Mm -hmm. you know, you're there and you got to do it. But you know, she doesn't owe us anything at the end of the day. She doesn't. And I also think that what we saw happen at the Olympics for somebody like Simone Biles and to be at the Olympic Games, I think it probably must have been her breaking point because yeah. she's talked about mental health before. She has talked about how she's gone to a therapist. I think she still does. And dealing with the Larry Nasser abuse. Yeah. And that's a lot. So it's not like she's only now for the first time prioritizing mm. mental health, but I think that... I think she just hit her breaking point. I think you're right. And she probably, I mean, obviously there's never ever going to be a scenario where everybody watching is happy with the way somebody makes a decision. But even if her life was not at risk, if she thought it was, then that's, that's the only reason really that she needed. And that's what, you know, she told us. And even, even looking at it, it's, it's hard to look at that vault. Yeah, I think she hit her breaking point. And even if she, even if her life wasn't at risk, I mean, there's no way for us to know. But if she thought it was, and if if she thought she Mm -hmm. was unsafe, then it was absolutely. And that's what she said. And anybody, if you look at that vault, I think the problem is, and she's so good that even in this moment, mm-hmm. some people are still doubting because she landed on her feet because only Simone Biles would be able to like right. flail through the air, land on her feet. There have been other elite gymnasts on social media who have said, if that had been me and I got lost in the air the way it looked like she She's did. She's not incredible. Yeah. I, the other people have said that they would have fallen on their neck or yeah, on their head. Yeah. See, and that's... That's the thing. This woman, this woman, she is not a girl. She, you know, she has an insane amount of skill. She knows herself the best. And so at the end of the day, you know, she has the complete right to do what she wants with her talent and skill. And you know what? If she's going to protect her mental health and, you know, not compete and, you know, even if she just plain out doesn't want to do it. Okay. Yeah. You know, and I'm never going to understand. I'm never going to be in that position. I'm definitely never going to understand seeing I'm like, oh, God, you know, like terrified of heights, evidently, as we talk about you twisting through the air, the more power to her. You know, and I'm very interested to see what this is going to mean for the Olympics and for gymnastics and for her. And yeah, I have a lot of respect for her just being bold enough to do what she wants to do and um, taking care of herself, too, you know, at a time also where. A lot of people are probably in her ear telling her to do this or that and whatever. And, you know, stick your ground, honey. Like, you, you're you doing great. Yeah. And at the end of the day, even if they hadn't won a silver medal, it's a sport. It's a sport. Come on. And we're not curing cancer. <laughs> we are. I mean, that's, that's at the end of the day, you know. Well, Pam, you are a doll. I absolutely adore you. I'm so impressed by your story. I did not know any of that. And it's insane. (laughs) And I just really appreciate you taking the time to talk about yourself, gymnastics, gymnastics as a whole, the whole, you know, biggest talk of the town, what's going on with Simone Biles. Please tell us where we can find you and find your podcast. Absolutely. I am on Instagram at better late gym. And uh, the podcast is available on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and on my podcast, I interview people who 
there are people in addition to me who have either found the sport later in life and are starting it as adults or they're continuing because they didn't pursue it to the extent that they wanted to. And there are actually a lot of uh, Olympians that are just continuing on because I think the narrative of gymnastics is so limited. And I'm, and unfortunately, we're still at a point in, our, in the sport where we get most of the mainstream attention during mm-hmm. the Olympic year. Right. And so the narrative of gymnastics is just so limited. People think that you have to start at age two. You have to stop at age 16. There's so many stories out there. And I think, and I talk about in my podcast, I think that we'll, we will see gymnasts that started as adults who become really good and maybe even make it to the Olympics. That's something that I always wanted to see when I was young. And like I said, I'm 38 years old. I'm starting my YouTube channel. It's going to be called ah! Beginning Again. Uh-huh. And I'm going to just document my journey because all we see is the end product. But what about people who are still just going forward into the unknown? I have no idea. Maybe I'll make a fool of myself. But you know what? It's I've always said that if I'm not supposed to be a good gymnast, I want to learn that on my own terms and not because the narrative told me that I couldn't be good. Oh my gosh. Pam, thank you so much. You're coming back on this podcast. You'll have to give us an update on where you are with that and just like all the things you've learned mentally and physically and, you know, how you went and got that for yourself as well. So thank you so much for being here. I, this was, I feel mind blown. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yay. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Guys, thank you so much for listening and don't forget to check out the Better Late podcast. Pam is absolutely amazing. I hope you were as inspired as I am from this interview and we are definitely having her back on the show to talk about her journey in gymnastics and, you know, what it's like working with this new coach. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please, if you like the show, like it. You don't like this. This is an Instagram. You subscribe it. You subscribe to the podcast. You leave a review and uh, you give it five stars. So yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. 